Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Real Dr. Doolittle Show with Val Hart. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton. Hey, Val, how are you doing today? Hey, Scott, I'm great. It's a great day in the neighborhood. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. We've had a, a magnificent summer up here in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, one of the things that I did was uh, I went hiking on top of a mountain. And we ended up 6,000 feet above sea level. Uh, it took us about four hours to hike in, and wow. it was mostly like straight up. And we ended up camping on this ridge, at, which is basically was the top of the mountain. And on one side was a vertical cliff, and I'm not joking. Uh, we were, basically, the space we had to camp in was enough space for our little tent and uh, and to be able to walk in and walk out. It was really was a ledge on the edge of a cliff. And uh, we had a magnificent uh, view in the, of the night sky, all the stars. Of course, we were up so high and we were so far away from any light pollution that we saw thousands and thousands and thousands of stars and shooting stars and satellites and that sort of stuff. It was just absolutely amazing. Wow. But the cool thing about this was... Uh, there was four of us, and the other couple brought their dog, oh. Enomia. Enomia was. Oh, name. oh, oh, yeah. And yeah, you know, you know, I did some work with Enomia. That inter- that video is on U- uh, YouTube. Well, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah, that's cool. I lo- I know Enomia. Yeah, well, she was. Uh, they go- she, oh, she was just having a great time. She was just uh, charging up the mountain and coming back and hanging out with Robert, who she likes to hang out with the most. There was a few uh-huh. spots where she looked, and it was uh, uh, very uh, steep and challenging, right? And she'd look and she'd try to mm-hmm. find a new way. And and uh, where we were, we would go along. Basically, there was a space where we were walking that was maybe four feet wide, not even, Okay, just so you uh-huh. know, it's not like it wasn't yeah. a real path. Four right. feet wide. On one side was a 500-foot cliff. On the other side was a 45-degree slope full of uh, boulders, you know, wow. broken up boulders, right? So mm-hmm. if you made a mistake and you fell on either side, it would hurt. Yeah. And uh, so we went, we went up to this area a couple times from where we were camping. It was very close. And Eunomia would would come and she figured out where, how she, after the first couple times, she figured out how she wanted to go, right? It was very interesting. Was, Robert would say, okay, you know, Mia, come here, we're going to lift you up and she'd look and turn around. And, and, yeah, I, don't yeah, I don't think so, right? <laughs> go the other way. And there were a few times when she went right out to the edge on some of the uh-huh. ledges and they were oh, like, wow. you know, Mia, get away from there, right? Because we don't want uh-huh. you slipping and falling or having any, any accidents. Right, right. But it was just absolutely amazing because I could tell that she really enjoyed, you know, the challenge of what she was doing and and yeah. doing it with all of us and being out in nature and everything else. And right, it, right. it was a, a physical challenge for her too. She, I don't think she's particularly, you know, I don't, she's not young, uh, she's not a puppy or anything, but I don't think she's mm-hmm. really old. Not like mm-hmm. uh, not like my buddy Milo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, he, she, you know, she, <laughs> she was, at the end of the day, she's basically laying on her side going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, all of us were because, we, you know, it was, a, it was an arduous hike up, up the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, oh, just, it was yeah. just a great time. And it just reminds <laughs> me, you know, of, 
of uh, always, you know, how how important it is to be inclusive, right? Because it would have been easy for them to say, oh, we're going to be going up this mountain. It's too hard for anomia. We've got to find, a, you know, cattle or a border or someplace for her to stay. And it was like, no, she's just coming up with us. And she wow. was like totally all right with that. And, and of course, used to it because they, it's not the first time they've done something like this with her. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I love that. You know, I just interviewed Kira Sundance uh, in the last podcast. And one thing that she says is to do more with your dogs, a fine way to include them in your normal life. And, you know, and like taking them on a trip like that is a brilliant way to bond and have a wonderful experience with your dog that you'll treasure and memory, you know, and, and remember the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah, right? that's right. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, how wonderful. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that happened is uh, Milo came to visit for about 10 days just mm-hmm. before that. So, of course, Milo, he's about 102 in dog years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was it was really fun having him around, too. I would take him for a short walks along the uh, along the river. And uh-huh. uh, there's actually a nice – the river is a very fast-flowing uh, river. It's, you know, maybe 20 feet across, 30 feet across, <coughs> very shallow. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, but the water runs very, very quickly. But there are a few places near the shore where, uh, because of logs and rocks and stuff like that, they're almost like natural ponds or puddles – not puddles, ponds, I guess, mm-hmm. where okay. the water is very quiet. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we went to uh, one of those, and and uh, it was a hot, hot August day, and I was quite surprised because normally he just doesn't seem to like the water too much. But mm-hmm. we, 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 I put his paws in, and he was like, "Oh, this is pretty nice on the old paws." You know? Yeah, Not bad. yeah. I kind of like this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, when we got back to the yard, I have a nice—it's not a large yard, but it's a good-sized yard for him, particularly uh-huh. compared to the yard he. Well, it's got grass, and the yard he, uh-huh. he has at his home is uh, basically concrete. Huh. So he, I'll watch him when he goes down and down the stairs into the yard, and mm-hmm. and he's uh, happy as can be, and he's just like full out running as fast as mm-hmm. he can. You know how the, the the front paws go straight forward and the back paws go straight back, right? <laughs> you know, because Milo he's a, like eight inches off the ground, right? Right. He's right. a little dog, and he's furry and tanned and uh-huh. he just, his paws just go straight up straight back and he charges uh-huh. from one end to the other and just has a great time it actually just acts like a little puppy uh-huh. and uh, it's just so great to see him so excited and enthusiastic it. yeah that's great. But, uh, that's great I noticed that uh, after a while he was he was kind of doing the same thing Anomia was doing was just sort of laying around going, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm bone tired right? yeah <laughs> So it made me think about uh, how, you know, should we treat older dogs differently than younger dogs, or is there a, is there a difference, or is there things we should be concerned about? And, and I won't really want to ask you about that because the two dogs have a lot of similarities but a lot of differences as well. Right, right. Well, and they're very different dogs. And you know, Mia is a Rottweiler, a uh, Rottweiler yeah. uh, mix, right? Yeah. And then Milo is a, a little guy. I mean, he's. Um, what, what is he like? A little uh, beagle, beagle mix? No, uh, or, uh, something shiatsu? like that. Oh, oh, okay. Something like that, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, there, it, it, it's really different, you know. When we have a puppy phase, you know, we've got them basically bouncing off the walls, 
you know, and like it's almost like you can't get enough activity <laughs> for right. a puppy, you know. Yeah. Um, you just can't wear them out hardly. And, and when they do poop out, they just collapse like the the Energizer Bunny's batteries just finally died. You know, they just collapse and then they gear up again and then they're off, you know. So, um, and then the middle middle dogs, you know, mature adolescent and mature dogs, you know, they kind of get a little more stable. They still love to go, 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 but um, it's um, it's a little different, you know, a little more stable. And then when they get a little older, they start really slowing down, and you have to make allowances for that and recognize it, at, you know, because a lot of times it's like they don't want to go for as long on the walk, you know, or... Mm-hmm. Um, is that they start tiring out, and, and often that's because they're hurting, their, their their bodies are starting to hurt. You know, they've either got arthritis or uh, needing some joint, you know, supplementation or something like that, or their digestion's really getting off, or they've got headaches, or, you know, they're feeling kind of toxic, or... Um, it's, and, and often, a lot of times, uh, their senses start uh, going a little off. You know, we were... I was just working with... Um, uh, one the other day that uh, they couldn't figure out why it was howling and, and uh, wandering around and acting kind of odd and being very skittish, which was really unusual for him or for her, uh, for the dog. And um, when I talked to her, she said that she was having trouble seeing and she wasn't hearing very well anymore either. So um, she was easily startled because where where she, you know, uh, used to know what was going on around her and could, you know, could easily see it or hear it. Now she can't, and uh, it was very unsettling to her. And the other thing you know is that our older dogs, they also have a, a, their own form of senility and Alzheimer's, and, you know, they, they get a little, you know, those senior moments, you know, where they can't quite figure it out, get a little more confused. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's really, really important to slow down. Um, you know, and in fact, there's, uh, I tell people there are seven things to do that help older dogs, um, and, you know, to, to, and to help you, help you know how to deal with them, how to recognize, you know, their pain levels, their frustrations or fears, um, different kinds of health things or food and diet things you need to know. You know, and what I, what I work for in my work, Scott, is I'm, I, I work to help people and their animals have more peace of mind. Um, and more a, a sense of closure about the end of the, their life cycle. So, you know, I help people know when it's time to make the euthanasia decision, um, and I help people know that their animals actually do go on after they pass out of their bodies. So there are ways to reconnect with our animals in the afterlife. Right. Uh, you know, uh, how to deal with certain things like increased separation anxiety or that clingy, whiny Velcro dog, you know, thing, and... Um, uh, uh, helping for soiling in the house and changes in sleep patterns or confusion and disorientation and things like that. So, you know, what I tell people is you can choose the experiences that you have with your dog in this phase of their life, and the choices you make in this time impact your memories long after they're gone. That's yeah. for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there are seven things. Let me just share these with you. So when your dog is quieting down in that stage of their life, they may need different things. So uh, they may, in fact, benefit from a quieter home. You know, if you've got small children or rambunctious puppies and kids, um, a lot of street noise, a lot of 
uh, confusion, you know, in the home. The older a dog gets, the less resilient, capable, uh, capable of coping and adaptable they become, especially if they're having any kind of a pain, a vision, or a hearing problem. So it, you can take steps to create a safer, quieter environment, you know, calmer environment, more stable environment for them. That's really important. It's important yeah. for everybody, I think. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> um, also, there may be some changes in their diet. Um, often older dogs have a harder time digesting food and eliminating waste, so we have to keep a real close eye on that. Uh, may need to change the mix or type of food or add some supplements to aid the digestive system. Uh, so that's important also. Um, you want a more stable routine, right? So. Um, as they become more uh, uh, more uh, senior, then they often become more fearful of people leaving or of unexpected changes to their environment. So you want to tell them what's going to happen, prepare them in advance. Um, you know, I'll never forget the little dog I worked with, old blind poodle. I mean, he he was, uh, shoo, I think he must was at least 17 or 18 years old. Uh, he was blind and he was deaf. And wow. Uh, yeah, his name was Gino, um, and, uh, you know, she managed him very well um, most of the time, and then she needed to go on a trip, and she was going to put him in a kennel, uh, obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, um, to take care of him, And um, but she wanted me to explain to him what was going to happen and why, you know, the, the change in his routine, you know, she didn't want it to be um, uh, traumatic for him or stressful, and so I'm telling him, you know, what's going to happen and where she's going to go when she's coming back, and then I get to the part about, you know, Gina, we're going to, uh, she's uh, going to put you in the certain kennel uh, to board so that they can keep uh, an eye on you, and Gino started screaming as soon as he heard the term, I remember this is telepathic because he, he was deaf, um, yeah. but telepathic, he heard me, and he got the concept and impression of that kennel and at the vet's office, and um, as soon as he got that, he started screaming and he was inconsolable. And we were like, "Oh my God!" It was just, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking. I mean, the poor guy was just uh, wailing, and uh, he was obviously seriously distressed, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I asked him, I said, "Gino, Gino, what's wrong? What's wrong?" And he says, "Please don't take me to that kennel. Please don't take me there. I'll die." They hurt me there. Mm. And he had been there before, and the last time he had been there, they had, in fact, hurt him. And his, his human didn't know anything about it. But he remembered, and he was convinced that, you know, that if he went there, he would die. It would just be a horrible, horrible thing. Mm. And so, we, um, so we, what we did is that, you know, we, he, we let him tell us what he needed to say. You know, so he could actually express how traumatic the experience had been for him. You know, it just really made us both cry because neither of us had a clue, you know, uh, what had happened. And um, so anyway, as soon as he expressed the story, um, he, he started calming down a little bit. Not a whole lot, but he started calming a little bit. Um, and then when we promised not to ever take him to that place again, that was when he stopped screaming and howling and crying. So what we did is we had to come up with a new plan, um, a place where he would feel comfortable and safe, um, and he helped us find that right place, and then he was perfectly fine. No cool. more problem. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you never – I mean, it's, it's sometimes hard enough for animals when we 
you know, live our normal lives and we're gone and we have different changes, you know, in our life and people come and visit or we go away for a little while or stuff. Um, but with older animals, it becomes even more important yeah. to pay attention to that, you know. Yeah. Um, the fourth thing to, to pay attention to is less change in the home. So, you know, you may need to put things away so they don't trip over them or become disoriented or confused. Um, you know, it's really important to leave their food and water in exactly the same place every day. In other words, don't redecorate your house. It's really not a good idea mm-hmm. <laughs> for, an, for an older dog that's, you know, kind of struggling. Um, probably want to wait. No, that would be uh, Actually, that's one of the things that happened with Milo because when I first met him, he was living out in the country in uh, a city of Langley uh-huh. and then they moved into the, into Vancouver, which is quite a different city and mm-hmm. it was a very um, big change for him. You could tell he was like, what's going on and, and mm-hmm. uh, freaking out a bit and everything else. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. uh, it's tough. Yeah, yes it is. Um, uh, but, you know, we can come to that and make appropriate choices and decisions if we're mindful and cautious, consciously aware, right, of what they're going through and we're connected and can communicate with them. Um, so that's that's really important. Um, another, another thing that often happens with older animals is they have less control over their bladder and their uh, bowels. So um, we may need to offer them more outdoor time. You know, just it's like they need to go potty more often. That, that's it. You know, we just we need to go outside more often, and uh, not expect them to hold it. You know, all day long. Um, that's less feasible. Um, so, and of course, if something dramatic changes pretty quickly, like all of a sudden we've got diarrhea or we're constipated or, you know, or they're off their food, then we need, really need to pay attention to that and take action very quickly. Um, younger animals, we have more time, but the older older animals we need to be really on top of things you know so uh, so that's important Um, they may also have changing sleep patterns so some older dogs uh, can become restless at night or stay awake pacing through the house or vocalizing Um, and they may need help with pain Uh, they may be experiencing the need to go potty more often Um, and they may uh, just be having trouble seeing I know that a little dog I worked with the other day when it got dark, she couldn't see. When it was light, uh, she could see shapes and objects and colors and movement. But at night, everything went black. I mean, she didn't have enough. There wasn't enough light in the environment for her to to pick up anything, you know. Uh, so, uh, so we have to pay attention to that. Um, uh, sometimes neurological conditions or hearing can make it really hard for them to sleep. You, have you ever had tinnitus or you, you know, you hear, you, you hear noises, you, you know, yeah. in your ear? Uh, yeah. Sometimes they do that. And, of course, our dogs are trained and they're part of their purpose with us is to protect. And so they're supposed to be or they have the instinct knowing and the thought that they're supposed to be um, alerting to different unusual noises. And so they may be hearing things. Uh, they think they're hearing something, but they are not real sure, but they thought they should, you know, say something about that. So, you know, it, so that's the kind of thing we need to watch out for also. That's an um, important one. Yeah. You know, the last one, of course, and uh, it, is the giving them a voice in their end-of-life decision. You mm. know, dogs are intelligent creatures. They know, uh, more, most of the time, they know what's going on with their health 
and their life force uh, more than we know. You know, they know what hurts. They know what they're afraid of. They know how they feel. They're not um, in tune with it all. They are. Um, they're more um, accepting of the life cycle, you know, the, and the, the death and the dying cycle is just as important as all the other cycles of life. It's just another chapter, you know, in their book. Um, they definitely want to share it all with us, and it's really important to actively communicate directly with our dogs to get their feedback on how to handle them with um, health. You know, I, I, so many times people will hold on beyond, uh, it's like as long as their vets can keep their dog alive, you know, kind of thing, extraordinary measures, you know, uh, and we go uh, way beyond the norm, you know, to try to keep our dogs alive. And we need to know if our dog actually wants to go through that or not, or if we're doing it for more selfish reasons. Yeah, and yeah. I think that applies equally to humans. Absolutely. You know, and the more I work with the animals on this, the more I feel like the same thing. You know, we need to do that for each other, too. Uh, you know, offering death with dignity, you know, and, and creating an end-of-life plan. I, I find so many animals... They're on death's door. We talk to them. We, we face it directly. We say we accept the fact that you're older and you're dying. Okay, now what? You know, so we're, we got the fear out of the way. We've cried, you know, and now we're embracing it or moving forward. And what, and what we do is we say, you know, give us a signal or cue when you're ready to go. Um, you know, let us know what's important to you. Is the pain med working for you or not? Are the other meds working or not? Um, you know, and if they say it's a good day to die, then we honor that. You know, we, we say, okay, do you want help or do we want to, you know, and talk about euthanasia and how that looks and how it feels and what will happen so they'll be assured and comforted and not as stressed, you know, as they would be otherwise. Um, or do you want to go naturally? And if so, how would you like to us to help you? You know, how, what would you like us to do to support you? Um, and, and that just makes so much difference. You know, for, it, it takes the stress and the pain out of what is normally a very difficult uh, time and um, offers them a way to connect. You know, you know what happens when we're afraid? We just connect, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so how many of us are afraid of death, you know, or don't want to feel the pain of this? And so what do we do? We disconnect right when our animal needs us the most, you know, right when they need us to be there holding their paw or, you know, holding the space uh, with love and compassion and just being present with them while they make their, their last, you know, last phase. So, you know, I, I think um, making small changes for their health and their environment make a much happier dog in their senior years. Um, and that's really what it's all about. So I hope that that helps some folks. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of other heartwarming stories, uh, like the one I was talking about on my website. And, um, and I may have told you, Scott, but uh, did you know I'm doing a senior dog class? Oh, no, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, uh, actually, class starts tonight. Um, it's, um, it's titled, let's see, uh, how to... Um, helping your dog, your senior dog, uh, with their challenges, coping with end of life, um, helping the help them be as healthy and happy for as long as possible. Um, it's uh, it's really about making your dog's golden years their best years. You know, to get help with easing and understanding their pain, knowing when it's time to make the euthanasia decision, uh, how to reconnect in the afterlife, getting support with grief, sadness, and loss 
knowing when it's time to let go, mm-hmm. and helping people achieve peace of mind and closure. Um, so, you know, we're going to do a lot of different things in the class. It's wonderful. If if you're listening and you missed the first class tonight, uh, we are recording them. And if it's not too late, then go ahead and go check it out on my website at valhart.com forward slash happydog.html. And uh, even if you missed a class, we, we are recording them so you can catch up. Um, so, um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting class, I know. Yes, it is. So people can get it at, uh, they can find out more about it at valhart.com? Valhart.com forward, uh, yes, you can just go valhart.com, you'll see it there uh, listed. Um, Or you can go valhart.com forward slash happydog.html. Cool. Well, thanks, Val, for sharing all that great information with us today. You're welcome, Scott. And look forward to talking to you again next week. Excellent. Uh, Looking forward to it, too. Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody.